Welcome, everyone. Oh, welcome, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Do I sound sexy? Hi. That's creepy. I'm not gonna do that. Come on in. <laughs> oh man, let me make sure you can hear me. Let me make sure you can uh, uh, tell me if you can uh, see me okay. Today we have an amazing episode. We have uh, two guys that have been part of the Tesla community for a long time. They've introduced us all to a lot of different things in the Tesla world. And uh, they run a channel called Now You Know, uh, father and son duo. So it's gonna be super fun speaking to them. If you don't know them by now, you should probably look at the thumbnail, right? That might help. But with them, we have uh, our special uh, community forum guests as well. These are people that support the channel through Patreon or YouTube. We have Ishan, we have Kuba, we have Hans. Welcome y'all. And then most importantly, we have our very special guests, the one and only Zach and Jesse. Welcome, my friends. How are you guys doing? Yeah. Wow, you really hyped that. <laughs> wow. Hi, How are you But doing? I'm going to try and sound I'm sexy, gonna talk, though. I'm going to talk to <laughs> yeah. too. I think that sounds good. Oh, my God. We sound so good together. <laughs> Thank awesome you, guys. Microphone. Honestly. Thank you all so much for joining us. Let me take, turn off this music because I'm terrible with production. Uh, really appreciate you guys making the time. Um, welcome in. And uh, yeah, excited to have a discussion with you. Yeah, awesome. we're happy to be here. Awesome, man. Uh, so the way we do it is we just have, start with a topic with our community forum in case uh, for those that are not familiar with, uh, with the format, uh, our community forum members will post questions and we'll have a free flowing conversation about that topic. Uh, I'll act as a sort of moderator and I'll try not to hog the microphone too much because I do have one, but I'll make sure everybody has, has an input. But we'll start with Hans. Hans, go ahead and kick us off uh, with the first topic and then uh, we'll see where it goes. Cool. Yeah. Well, so I just wanted to start off by once again, yeah, thanking y'all for all the content that you put out over the years. I know that a lot of people have gotten a lot of value out of that. And uh, you've introduced a lot of people some here on this very forum to Tesla. And uh, it's just great to have you here and get to have this conversation. Um, one of the things that I've been curious about recently is, you know, we see a lot of other companies kind of trying to get started in the clean tech and e-mobility space. And Sandy has been helping out a lot of these companies, um, people like Arkimoto, for example, to try and really start making an impact. Um, but when we look at some of these other companies and then we compare them back to Tesla, one of the key differentiators besides even uh, maybe just like the product roadmap uh, that Elon has and maybe the ability that he has to figure out what the most important problems are to solve uh, really goes back to that pace of innovation. And so we've seen people like Farzad and Joe Justice talk about agile at Tesla and digital self-management and different ways that they just really try and drive the pace of innovation inside. Um, and then we've seen as Sandy's done all these teardowns, just how quickly the product changes from year to year to year to year. And, you know, you go from a super bottle one year to an octo valve in a year or maybe a year and a half later. And it really just shows how quickly Tesla is moving. And I've wondered for a long time how critical that is for outsized success in accelerating the world's advent to sustainable energy. And these aren't things that I typically see when I look at somebody like Arkimoto. It seems like they're moving much more slowly. They are iterating. They are moving in the right direction. They're making important strides. Um, but it doesn't seem like from the outside that they're moving as quickly. And so, yeah, what's y'all's perspective on that? And is there any maybe guidance that you would give to some of these companies on how to begin to increase their pace of innovation. So, I mean, I think when we're, we're talking about 
Tesla, one of the things that Zach and I w had been talking about for years was like kind of what is now considered like groundwork. All, all the stuff that they had been doing from like 2010 or even even before that, really, like they were in. And I would say more as a comparison between, um, you know, traditional OEMs. That was all like groundwork, getting the batteries uh, and, and being able to produce packs that like didn't catch on fire <clears throat> GM, and stuff like that. Like I would consider that to sort of be like groundwork. Um, but you're mentioning a lot of things that are happening like in the past couple of years, which mm -hmm. I don't think is groundwork. I think it's company culture. I think that a big factor when we're talking about um, different companies is um, where they're located and what that has to do with the people working there. I think that the reason that Silicon Valley was successful is because Silicon Valley developed a culture. Um, and I think and, you know, I'm not a huge fan of like, I'm not a big Silicon Valley kind of guy. I don't, I haven't worked there. I don't plan on working there. But I think that there's certain places in the world where you're going to get a lot more done because mm. stuff is just expected. And I think that that is one of the factors. And especially, I think when we're talking about Arkimoto, um, one of the factors that leads to Tesla being so successful, yes, their corporate culture has a lot to do with it. And, but I think that their corporate culture had to start somewhere and starting in Silicon Valley is not the worst place to start when we're talking about mm -hmm. innovative tech and moving really quickly. That's a really good point. Cause you know, Arkimoto, I just visited Eugene, Oregon for the first time and Arkimoto is a big fish in a small pond and there's maybe mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that, except that if I asked you guys to go move there to work, you're, you, you, that would be a big factor in deciding whether you would work for the company would be like, okay, I got to go check out Eugene. Is that where I want to move my family? Um, and I have to imagine for a lot of people, the answer would be no. Um, and which means that they're the pool that they're getting from is seemed like it was largely from Eugene. And I don't know enough about mm -hmm. Eugene. Maybe there's a huge pool, but I got to imagine that it's not the same kind of pool as you get in Silicon Valley and other places that are high tech. And I think, yeah, the pool means that you're going to be drawing from the best of the best from all mm -hmm. around the world. And, you know, why is Silicon Valley so great? It's because, A, if I want to stop working at one company and go work at another, it's I'm not going to have to wildly change my commute. Not that living in Silicon Valley is cheap by any means. I've, I think that we would all rather pay to live in Eugene than live in Silicon Valley. But I think that the other thing is that there's also um, what do the people who want to work in Silicon Valley want to have around them? And so it's going to be everything from the restaurants to the where I can go on the weekends. Right. to the it, It's a lively hub of activity. I mean. Tesla has talent and you can't, I mean, I know you can buy talent if you have enough money, but most of these companies don't. So Tesla has something that's just secret sauce, which is they, the world's best people want to work for them. That's an enviable position. And to be it's self-fulfilling, yeah. um, mm -hmm. which is yeah. uh, amazing, but it's also just really tough to replicate. It's so hard yeah. to just be like, oh yeah, you know, cause we're also connected. Elon has said, if you also want to work on rockets, you can do that too. Well, can we also talk <laughs> about West coast time versus East coast time? So I grew up on the East coast. I've worked and Jesse was born on the West coast. Uh, when I went to the West coast, places like LA felt like I was uh, in a town called Molasses town. Yeah. Everyone was moving to half the speed that I was moving. I started as an intern at my job and like in 10 weeks I had my boss's job. And everyone's like, how do you move so fast? I'm like, I don't know. It's just how we do things on the East Coast. Now, in Silicon Valley, that's different. They're their own little East Coast. Uh, they move very fast. But 
when I was in Eugene, it felt like molasses town again. It felt like everyone was like, hey, dude, what's up? And that's fine. I'm sure that's great for, you know, living in a wonderful life. But when you're running a company with high competition, it felt slow to me. And I think mm-hmm. that to your point, Hans, like I think a lot of these companies just compared to Tesla speed are like running at half speed or quarter speed. And I don't want to pick on just Arkimoto. No. I think that there's a lot of companies that don't have the right culture, even some that are, are based in um, Silicon Valley. Um, but, you know, like like Rivian. OK, so they're in normal Illinois. Is that slowing them down? You know, and, and, you know, was it smart that Tesla jumped to Austin, Texas, because Austin has is like the new Silicon Valley. And so that's like, is it all mental? I think a lot of it's mm-hmm. mental. You got to like think like, like we're the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so all the guys working in Austin, Texas, I bet are busting their their butts off yep. um, because mm-hmm. they're like this is the next thing. And, and you're just trying to fulfill that, um, even if it's subconscious. Also, a lot of the company leaders for these startups are very um, well loved within their company, but you also have to be feared. And there's something about Elon, right? Where he's loved and feared at the same time. Like he sleeps on the floor of the factory and we all love him for that. But also it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. It's like, oh, <laughs> shit, well, I better he, show up. He was here before me. I better be there when and he I wakes better, up. <laughs> exactly. And so he has this amazing ability to uh, get his troops to love him and fear him. How many other leaders can you think of that have that ability? Right. And I mean, mm-hmm. I will say, especially about like Arkimoto, I really respect Mark for his, um, I, I, I will say, first principles thinking yep. about especially the environment and that he really cares about it. And yep. you, and it's super mm-hmm. evident from everything that he does. It's yep. it's never, I'm never questioning that. And I so appreciate that about him, um, which is what I appreciate Elon for as well, is that he's like, I can tell that he's thinking, you know, very long term since he's like, I want consciousness to continue and to get to mars and i'm like okay that yeah i can't i can't fault him on that and a similar thing that's happening to tesla which is it's a heavily shorted company arkimoto is heavily shorted mm. and when you're that small a company and you're heavily shorted it really it hurts really hurts because that means you it don't is. have the capital to do a lot of things so i am really amazed at what arkimoto has been able to do with very low capitalization right i mean i would i would switch over to talking about rivian where I mean, I was fortunate enough to actually get to interview RJ Scaringe at uh, it was in New York, um, and I was trying to ask him the questions about like so climate change and this sort of thing, and he was answering in a really safe way. Oh, some at some day we're going to run out run out of oil. It's like. No, we're not actually because we're all going to be dead if we keep <laughs> drilling oil the way we're. It's not like it's not like oops, we ran out. That's not going to happen. First, it's a very safe way for me to you know for some people to go like, oh right, oil is you know you're like dog whistling me, but like um, I don't know. It was like that's not what I wanted to hear. And then I was like, so why do you want to be a CEO? And he's like, well, I always wanted to be a CEO. And it's like no, I don't want you to want to be a CEO. I want this. I want you to have to be a CEO. <laughs> You wanted to do the thing. And so you went, well, I guess I have to be in charge since I, you know. So, I mean, I would say that sometimes it's, it's uh, you know, company culture from the top. And sometimes it's 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 tough. I mean, Arkimoto is, is in such a less enviable position than Rivian um, in terms of money. Um, RJ Scringe can go, to, you know, turn to Jeff Bezos one day and say, I need, you know, billions more dollars. And, and you got it. Here's the check. Um, so I, you know, want to balance that on a whole. Yeah. And yeah. we were talking to Ross Gerber and he brought up a really good point, which is that these companies, uh, it's really hard to get to the mass production point. You have to thread a needle and it's not 
you know, I went out to Arkimoto and I thought the needle was come up with the prototype and then mass produce it. I thought it was just A and B, but it's not. It's come up with the prototype, but that prototype is not quite ready yet. You have to keep mm-hmm. iterating. And so that means you can't make yeah. a thousand of each part, um, you know, in China. You have to come up with 10 parts cheaply. And then iterate those parts, oh, and change them again, oh, and change them again. So they have to actually have the right machine so that they can keep iterating while they ramp up production. It's a lot harder than I thought. And so these companies are all finding that out after having spent years not thinking about that problem. They were just thinking about how can we come up with a cool prototype? And I mean, I think it's especially easy to look at Tesla now and to just be like, why aren't you guys doing it? Um, whereas if you went back a couple of years, everyone was going like, Tesla's going bankrupt tomorrow. And that's just what we think. You're official what we think. And it's like, well, they were wrong, but only by this. Mm-hmm. And the more you learn about what Elon's done just over the past few years, you see that he's so brilliant, not just in engineering, not just in people leadership skills, but in business. He's just, he's got like the trifecta. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. right. I mean, it's hard enough to be a really good engineer or a really good people person, but to, to be all in one, and to make the the right decisions consistently, and I'm not saying that he's made all correct decisions, but mm-hmm. in terms of he he couldn't have made there were a bunch of critical decisions that if he made the wrong one, um, I, I, I think uh, you know reading through like Power Play, the book Power Play, you realize like you know he's trying you know the author's trying to kind of portray him as this like evil mean kind of guy, but it's like he should yeah. A bunch of these people that he had to like fire, like publicly and nastily, you're like, I'm kind of glad that he did. Right. Yeah. A lot of hard moves. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and not just, you know, the trifecta of business and engineering and then having the mission, but like people say engineering, like it's this monolithic thing. Oh yeah. You can be a good engineer, like an engineer of what? Oh yeah. I'm a rocket scientist. I'm a mechanical engineer, material science. And like, he can go so deep on any one of those individual disciplines. Like, yeah, as a mechanical engineer myself, it's pretty scary to like hear him talk about all the different engineering topics, just that in and of itself. It's he's truly like a master of, of a Jack of all trades. To go get books out of the library about about rocket science and then design a rocket. Yeah. What? And then now he has the best rockets on the planet. Right. What? And he's just outclassed every other, he's outclassing Boeing. Yeah. Like I just would love to, here's what, if I had a time machine and they were like, Jesse, you can go back in time, you can't change anything. I would just want to go back and like, just ask people like, so do you think that anyone's going to ever like be better at rockets than Boeing? And they would have been like, you, you idiot. I'm not going to listen to you. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, and you know, like who do you think is going to make reusable? What about a guy who's never known anything about rockets and goes to the library about it? (laughs) What? He gets turned down by the Russians (laughs) to buy rockets. And then he turns out and then he schools them completely in all sorts of different ways and then it doesn't even seem real it seems like we're talking about a science fiction (laughs) like trilogy it's really funny i remember when we read uh like the foundation the first book in the foundation series and uh it's you know it's kind of this it's very isaac asimov because you know he like loves science fiction and so it's it's the characters are always a little bit unrealistic but they're like unrealistic in the way that elon's unrealistic Mm. in in just that like they win so good, you know, in so many of the different, uh, you know, challenges that they face that they just they win so good. And you're just like, wow, that was that was a really interesting book. And then, you go, you know, you turn to real life and you're just like, 
So the same guy who wouldn't sell you rockets, you just basically got him fired from Russia because you, you've been outclassing him in space and then also been putting up satellites that have been screwing with the Russians' uh, invasion of Ukraine. You're yeah. like, wow. Yeah. You can't write right. that. Like if you nope. wrote that, people would be like, yeah, as your editor, I just have to say this is getting a little much. It's such an insane example of just brute force winning. It's just mm. he's just been able to really just capitalize on execution. And the, the one thing I'm I'm really curious to hear from from you both, uh, Zach and Jesse, is as you've as you've been exposed to the uh, call the competitive landscapes so or Raven Archimodo, so on and so forth. And I what I really enjoy about your channel is that you guys really do approach things from a very uh, non biased view. You try to really lay out the facts, which I, which I really appreciate. I know sometimes you make us some flack from from say certain extreme parts of either camp, but I really encourage you guys uh, to continue doing that because even as like an investor, it allows me to understand what the hell is going on right around around the perimeter, not just mm -hmm. Tesla. So uh, within that context and having had direct um, experiences with, with uh, other companies, how has your thesis around Tesla and say perceived competition morphed over time? And curious to hear your thoughts for the next five, 10 years, how do you see this playing out from your perspective? I think one moat we were talking about earlier today is the supercharger moat. Mm. Um, it, it's such a huge piece of the pie and no one really ever talks about it. Mm -hmm. And yet it's just growing every day. Every week on the mm -hmm. show, we do more supercharger reviews. Yeah. Like they're just piling up there. And it's just something that if you're not in the world of Teslas, like if, you, well, if you're in EVs, mm -hmm. but you're not a Tesla driver, right. you probably they're probably invisible to you. You're, nice. you're going to EAs and mm -hmm. other charging networks. Um, We've been forced to do it the opposite way, actually, because now that we've gotten the Rivian, we've been going to EA more often and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we just are like, what, this is what you have to live with? Right. And so that, like, that's a big piece of it right there. Right. Uh, talk about next five, mm -hmm. 10 years. Elon can now decide whether he lets other EV companies use his network. So he's in an enviable position where he can be like, hmm, do I want... Yeah. Do I want $7.5 billion of government money or right. not? Uh and I mean, we were talking with Ross Gerber today and he was just saying like, there's no other uh, charging companies that I can invest in right. because they all suck. And it's like, how? It's a cable right. with a thing that <laughs> says, are you this person and you pay me money? Right. I will turn on the power. Right. Like They still haven't figured that they out. They still haven't been able to get that to work. You know, in a in a way that everyone's going to be able to use it. Ninety nine point what what was the quote that we heard last? Ninety nine point seven percent. Yeah, uh, Tesla is at ninety nine point six percent, which is what uh, it's ninety nine point nine six, I believe, which is three hours down per month per year per per month. It's I think. some it's wildly high. Yeah, yeah, super it's high. Like, it's so high that yeah. it's inconsequential. It's never down. Right. It's basically, yeah. 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 It's always up. If Where, it's down, you just have to wait. Whereas the others <laughs> was like, I think it was 96% or something. So it was like 18 days down or something. It, right. it was, yeah, it's night and day. You, They don't realize that basically it has to be that high or else you won't count on it. It's kind of like anything. Like if you went to go into your house and your key didn't work that often, you'd be like, I can't, I have to get rid of the lock. New lock. Right. right. Um, yeah. So that's just one little piece, right? That's the the charging network. But you said five to 10 years. One of the things that I think is interesting is we're all valuing the company based on metrics to do with cars mm. and maybe a little bit energy, which is great. That's what they make right now. Mm -hmm. But we're about to get two completely new products, right? So FSD is autonomy and Tesla bots are robots. 
which are labor, which are labor, which and aren't haven't been in the history of humankind product. has not been a product. You haven't been able to. Well, OK, that's not true. Labor used to be a product. Sure. Not that I think that we, we should ever go right. back to that or right. should. No, um, but it was right. Um, and it changed economies. It was very if you mm-hmm. completely ignore all the terrible parts about it. Right. OK, that, then then I guess you have the, your framework. So, I mean, we're about to have these two products from this company. So either you believe that or you don't like the, that's the first part, right? You either believe that he's going to do robots and FSD or you're one of these people who's like, that'll never happen. Well, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he does those two things, it's only a question of when. I like exactly. that. Yeah. I, love it. I love that EcoWare shirt. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. So either it happens or it doesn't. And when he does it, it they're both going to be earth shattering. And yet we can't put a price on it yet because how do you put a price on it a and and because we don't have a timeline it's like well i don't know so five to ten years those two things come along and change everything right it's like 2000 it's like if you're in 2006 and i tried to explain to you tesla today you know hey and shout it, out to tom there. yeah nice. i watch you every day yeah. i love you it's good to see you came in give you guys a shout out nice <laughs> um yeah so like yeah try and explain to someone in 2006 what tesla is going to be you know, and they'd be like, I don't think you're right. Like, I just don't think mm-hmm. I just don't think like I I get that what you're saying, it could happen. And I can imagine what it could ha- it could look like, you know, with all these cars that you're saying and driving around and superchargers and and uh, autopilot. And, uh, well, you know, what? this reminds me of we were just talking to the CEO of Energy X, which is a lithium uh, co- company. Um, and he T. Egan was in 2018. He was in Bolivia. He went just for a vacation. He saw how they, uh, all the pools of lithium. And he was like, what are those? And like, that's how we get lithium out of the ground now. We put in these big brine pools, we let it evaporate. And he was like, well, that's the size of Manhattan. And uh, that's how we do it because that's just ancient technology. And he was like, well, why do we do it this way? And they're like, because we've always done it this way. That is what we do as humans. <laughs> we just walk around all day going, well, that's how we did it before. And you know what? That worked for so long like evolutionarily if we're talking about that it was mm-hmm. like hey you know what's great sharp stone can't Work, beat sharp works stone good. cut good cut good no argue <laughs> sharp stone very good <laughs> um it there were and it was just like you want to do what you want to go walk into that cave yeah you're gonna die and you and then they probably did right, right. so it was like do what we know you know, hey, you know, let's make a, some hand axes out of stone. That's going to be cool. This yeah. one's neat. It has a shell in it. No, you it's know? a really good point. Don't walk into the cave because you're putting your life in your hands if you did. Exactly. But now we have new technology and yet we're still so reticent to use it. We're still cavemen. Yeah. We're still... And we still can't picture, even though there's been movies about robots and movies about autonomous cars, we're still like, what is, how does that work? Well, here's the problem. Movies always got to be exciting. You can't just have a movie that's mm-hmm. just like... You know, because like, you know, the period piece, you know, and it's cool. It's the 1940s and we're in the 1940s. They're never just having a good time. Right. There's always going to be a, you know, a someone guy. gets shot or yeah. someone's having a, an affair. It's always got to be dramatic. And so the same thing is going to be true with robots. <laughs> so it's a period piece in the future. And they go, the robots are back, <laughs> except they're going to say it in a futuristic way. But it's hey, the future the future's a little a scary. We got to do something. You know, it's different. The one thing that's different, that's going to be a plot point. So our frame of reference is completely thrown off by the fact that we consume media that is just tailored to entertain us. Yeah. And so then as soon as they say, oh, it's, midi- it's the Middle Ages, 
well, we're going to have knights fight each other. They're not just hanging around farming all day is what they did 98% of the time. We're going to cut to the exciting part. And so with robots, what are the robots going to do? Are they going to uprise? Yeah, maybe. But, you know, Tesla's <laughs> their own worst enemy because they have so many exciting products coming out, for instance, next year, most likely if Elon is right, uh, you know, Cybertruck. That alone is going to just take up all of our brain because when when we've been driving the Rivian around, people's heads are already kind of breaking. I'm They're just, going like they'll turn, they'll go to the furthest extent, and then they'll just turn. The, they'll like turn around. They want to see it. So Cybertruck, they're going to break their necks because the, the Rivian, right? It looks like a truck. It just looks like a really cool truck. I will grant them that they, they hit. The, Right. Big home run on the design of the Rivian. It looks like it's a uh, part Land Rover, part pickup truck. It's part robot. All sorry, we drove it through Maine, but you know Maine is truck of uh, city for you know truck. They don't have cities, but they have trucks, and they loved it. Uh, we everywhere that I drive it, they absolutely love so it. So imagine Cybertruck. People are endangering me on the highway by like pulling up on giving a thumbs me. up. Give me the pump. Yeah, man. Woo! So, so like, that is is the R1T making you more bullish about the Cybertruck? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Okay, so the the R1T looks like a slightly different truck. Yeah, it's a game. When I pull up and their brain goes, yep. error. <laughs> does not I does not compute. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of aneurysms. And then I go <laughs> and they went, "What the what the hell was that?" Cuz I do that with the Rivian obviously. Right. And people yeah. are just like, whoa, they'll like pull up the next thing and just be like, what was that? Because yeah. obviously it goes zero to 63.3 seconds or whatever. The Cybertruck's going to do the same thing and it's going to yeah. look like it just fell out of a video game. Plus, I mean, we want to be one of the first to shoot at it with a gun. Yeah. So, and you know how many people are going to shoot at it with a gun? Just hopefully it's not our. It's not even, <laughs> don't shoot at our Cybertruck. That's the thing, though. It's going to be this content generating machine yeah. like yeah. not yeah. even for us but just so many different segments. and that's just one product i didn't mention roadster yet yeah when that product comes out and it starts using its cold jet thrusters uh and then when mm -hmm. tesla semi comes right. out that year because i think that uh model s right has been laying down the law at drag strips across uh, this great nation and across the world and it's kind of what gives tesla a lot of cred yeah it gives and uh, Farzad, I think you talked about this, uh, you know, when we were talking in our episode and you were like, there's all this stuff that Tesla gets a lot of, like people actually are like, oh, Tesla, that's clout. Like there's yep. clout there because Tesla can do all of these things. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the Roadster, when it can, you know, hover or, <laughs> you know, just have just having cold air thrusters and being able to just smoke the floor of any anything. F1 that, that, cars that cost 10 times it. Right. That is going to just be another feather in the cap of Tesla as yeah. well. Can you tell we're a little bullish? I'm so... <laughs> hey, a little bit. I don't know. It's a little easy. Yeah. Sure, but we'll see. Uh, Ishan or Hans, I'm not sure. Or Kuba, did you guys have any, any anything you wanted to add to those to those points? Yeah, no. Completely agree, you know. I mean... I have a couple. Yeah. Okay. Yes, especially with the roadster. I mean, I, do you think uh, cold gas thrusters are going to be road legal? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I mean, there's so many things that are already not road legal. Right. Um, and it's not just, supposed to roll coal, but they do. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and I think if you're on a back stretch somewhere, people are going to use them. Uh, I'm not saying how, I'm going to do it. Do you know it. how badly I want to anti-roll coal? <laughs> 
<laughs> on on trucks with with the exhaust this wide, you know, big vacuum, big uh, big vacuum, uh, <laughs> scoop it all up. Just, I mean, just just literally blow the trucks off the road. Uh, no, they're not going to be uh, road legal. I don't think um, that won't stop people from using them, including mm -hmm. me. Um, I just you know hypothetically, hypothetically, you mean. yeah, because um, we're talking about a tech. You know, we don't know if it's going to happen, right? But um, there's going to it's it's going to be a thing and people are going to want to know about it. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be TikToks. I mean, um, where's that, where's that road in LA where like, it's just a big jump. Oh yeah. Um, and people have mm -hmm. taken two mm -hmm. Teslas off of it already. You know, I don't think that's good, <laughs> um, but it's freaking cool. You know, I love to see a model X fly. That was sick. Um, you've destroyed it and it wasn't yours. So I don't right. like that part of it. But in terms of, in terms of like grassroots, um, what did I say in at TTN this week? I was like grassroots uh, content creation, create uh, the the influencer economy. Oh, like, yeah. you know, uh, if you are you uh, saying that you would stick the landing thanks to the cold trusters? You could, or I'm just saying if if like people doing illegal things that are bad, and I know. Um, <laughs> they'll they'll do them with the cold air thrusters and it's going to yeah. just be so cool yeah. that everyone's going to really laugh about it just like we watch you know mm -hmm. movies and you know james bond smashes and murders somebody you know by driving them off a, a highway and we're just like that was cool <laughs> it's going to be the exact same thing except in real life except hopefully without the murder but it's gonna i'm just saying that kind of thing is is just like marketing heaven where you don't have to pay a dime other than make this amazing thing. And then the world is going to go, this is cool. And everyone's going to think it's cool. And you can buy a Model 3. Right. Yep. Or a Cybertruck. It does almost that. Right. right exactly. Close <laughs> enough. It's, it's pretty much good enough. You're going to be happy enough with a Model 3, which is a race car. And we've proven it's a race car because we've raced it. That's oh, right. Yeah. Pikes Peak. And yeah. it won. We won. You know. <laughs> Uh, real quick, uh, you guys can hear me okay, right? I, yeah. I'm having some audio yeah. issues on my side. Okay, perfect. Um, so what? just maybe one last question on this topic. So what do you think the 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 real market size for Cybertruck is, given your experience with the R1T? Well, I mean, we all know that you know pickup trucks are the biggest vehicle in, in the U.S. Um, and Ford is only alive still because of the F-150. So... Uh, some ramifications, I think, are that everyone who's kind of positive on Ford because they're coming out with the, the Lightning. And look, we're getting the Lightning in a couple of weeks. So and I'm, I'm hyped. I'm, I'm excited. It. I think one of the ramifications is, you know, bye bye Ford. I, I just mm. don't. Everyone who says, well, I don't like the look of the Cybertruck. First of all, you probably haven't seen it up close. You probably just seen it pictures. It does not translate. We've been in it. We've been next to it. It's just mm. I don't know. It just has some effect on you when you're near it. It is the future. And so. Look, are we all going to have cars that always look the same? No. I mean, they always change. And our design aesthetic gets changed as the future goes on. Um, and so I think as we see more and more Cybertruck, we're going to think, why don't more things look like that? So I think it's a, just a humongous market share, and it's only going to be limited by how fast they can produce them. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's the same as every Tesla right. that they've ever come out with, which is that it's going to be production limited. I, I mean, hope over that, a million people have reservations. Yeah. Like, I, I, and I mean, that was just, again, seeing it on a screen. Right. The one thing is too, like, I, I remember when the Model 3, you know, was first unveiled and I had, you know, um, I, I spent hours making my 
work computer at the time, cycle my my desktop background every 30 seconds to another picture of the Model 3. <laughs> and then when I saw one in real life, I was like, oh, my God, it looks way better than it does in all these pictures that mm -hmm. I've been drooling over for the last you know, three years, whatever it was I was waiting for. And the, I think that the, something about the design of Teslas just doesn't look the same in real life than it does mm -hmm. on screen. They look better mm -hmm. in real life than on mm -hmm. screen. And I think the Cybertruck is going to kind of be like that. It's really tough though, because obviously the Cybertruck doesn't have like those curves and the, you know, the German designed looking lines, even though Franz isn't German, even though he sounds like a, <laughs> count you know <laughs> do you plan to to test the uh, home backup with with the lightning yeah yeah we have to get the special ford um well here's the funny thing we called the dealer and we were like i'd like to ahead of time get the special ford whatever they call it the the home charger thing and they're like the what no wait what are we hang on and they like put me on hold right they came back and like you're getting your lightning here i'm like uh-huh yeah so I mean, the, the cool dealer thing, network. The cool thing about Ford is that we get to pick it up really close by. The, like Maybe the, knock on wood, because I don't know. Okay, I you know, um, to probably the. I mean, it's it's one of the nearest Ford locations to us, which is cool. Yeah, if it all if works, it, if it all works with the with Rivian, we had to lie about where we lived and pick it up in New York City and drive it all the way home. Right. Um, with Tesla, it's fine because they're they're you know that they they do this well that's another thing tesla already has service centers and i know we pick on them sometimes but rivian uh we just had water in the doors so we called up rivian and we said we got water in the doors and they're like great let's book a service appointment um how about the end of august and this was mid-july and i was like how about no how about um i have water in my doors and i'd like you to take care of it now and they're like yeah so how about end of august and i'm like when your doors have rusted like, off <laughs> how many customers do you have in massachusetts already yeah. that you're already a month plus out right that's kind of scary. Right. Either they have no service people or they have no service people. Or they, I don't, ha or they just have every truck they've sent out. They're getting the same call. About so the, this yeah. is the other side of things that I don't think most of us think about mm -hmm. is, okay, production's hard, but then service and keeping your customers happy. So, is then, so then you're going like, well, but Ford's got this covered. And it's like, I don't think they, I don't think that they will because I think what right. it's going to be is there's probably going to be one Ford yep. uh trained tech who's going to have to travel between all of them in states. a region yeah, exactly. and you know is going to be super busy and they won't be able to get parts i mean my nissan leaf 2013 nissan leaf one of the cells went bad i brought it into nissan thank goodness i had it under warranty they had my car for a month mm. they were waiting on a part oh yeah it's really tough i don't know when it's coming yeah you, had to you're come the from dealer Japan. you're telling me you don't know it i yeah i don't know and it was like a month and a half of no. I, they, Meanwhile, they, you were driving a Nissan Rogue. Yeah. No, it was a Bursa. <laughs> Bursa, <laughs> whatever. Rogue. Yeah, I, I, I think the one thing I agree with you 100. percent I think the fact that I, I had the sort of the luxury of working in so closely on the service side of things at Tesla really opened my mind at just how hard supply chain is, mm -hmm. and how hard customer service is, and it's super, super. I would make an argument again. I'm biased, right? But I would make an argument that that stuff is harder than manufacturing in some sense because mm -hmm. you're dealing with the, the, a, a human being and you're dealing with them for years and decades to come potentially. Mm -hmm. And you have this uh, non-automatic, non-mechanical relationship with the thing you're trying to solve. Yep. And you have to keep that relationship moving forward. I think the one thing that's really interesting to me, which I'm curious 
maybe to get to get your take on it is that you know we know we know that uh, Tesla and others have have challenges with service because we know it's really really hard. What's interesting is if I think about it in the long term, say like ten to twenty years, it does appear to me that that's when Tesla's I think. Uh, sort of positioning in the market now starts to kick in from a service perspective because the company is incentivized to make as reliable as a car is humanly possible because they own the entire dealer network. So they have the right incentives in place to try and better that over time. Doesn't excuse their behavior in some places now in some regions, but I, I think about it from a long-term perspective and I wonder if that turns into a true differentiator uh, in the long term. And in some cases, you could you make an argument that that's already the case in some areas in the States, especially that are well covered and they have a lot of mobile service and stuff. But I think long, long term, I wonder if that becomes the winning strategy for companies to become super vertically integrated on your entire service network so that you have the incentive to lower your cost from a repair perspective so that you don't lose money, right? I'm curious well, to hear everybody's thoughts. Well, let me just flip at this for a second. Let me just ask you guys. Um, so you said 10 to 15 years. I kind of feel like in 10 to 15 years, we no longer own cars. I feel like in 10 to 15 sure. years, it's just Tesla network. And of course, they still need to be serviced, but the customer is kind of out of the loop. Do you think I'm crazy? I don't think so. I I'm curious no, to hear everyone all. else's thoughts, but I don't think so. What do you all think? Uh, Hans, you're muted if you're talking. Hans is saying he thinks I'm crazy, but he muted himself. <laughs> I think it depends on the geography. Uh, I would say, yeah, most urban, like dense to moderately dense populated areas, probably, yes. Yeah, I just think that we're, we might be, again, doing the same problem that humans always have, which is like, well, there'll always be cars owned by humans and they'll always be put in your garage. And I don't know. I just think that car ownership is stupid. We just have been lulled into thinking it's great, but it's it's really dumb. It costs a lot of money and we all actually don't want to own cars. We just want to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Well, it's like a landline. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. uh, we all used to have landlines. I, I remember landlines because, you know, and you'd, you'd have to walk over to the phone. You'd have to, and, and then when we had wireless phones in your house, it was cool because you could walk and, but then you didn't know where they were, you know, <laughs> so that you had, you know, so we like, uh, but what we all uh, eventually, I think we've all done probably all here is we have called up our cable slash phone company and said, I don't really want a landline anymore. And they said, are you sure? And we said, yes. And they said, are you sure? It's a better plan. <laughs> And we said, yeah, I, I think I can get a better plan without it. And they, you know, I think they finally learned that. But for the longest time, they really wanted to bundle it. Um, I think it, 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 again, it doesn't make much sense. Right. And it's the same thing. If you, if you told me 20 years ago that I wouldn't have a landline, I'd say, you're crazy. I'm, I would always want to. I would always want there to it's be a just, phone. The phone's always over up. there. I know where yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. I do think I do. I'm not so sure if it's 10, 15 years because I think it will require, man, it will require quite a large market penetration uh, for those. You know, I don't know if there's going to be enough market penetration for, say, the majority of the people to be under that model. But I do think there's definitely going to be a, a certain like a, like a significant percentage of the people are going to choose to do it because of exactly what you said. No hassle and no uh, cost mm -hmm. associated from a time perspective for you to take time out of your day to get the car serviced or to meet up with the mobile service technician to come repair it. Right. So the incentives are there, especially in an environment where, because I was thinking about this a lot, like say, uh, you know, we were in an inflationary environment, but we still we have this continuing wealth gap between the, the one that have the most and the one that have the least. And we can talk about AGI and all that stuff that's going to happen. But I, I, I still 
like the forces for somebody to want to spend less time and money on something are going to become greater mm -hmm. because I just don't, I don't, it's going to become too big of a forcing function and stuff like that, like you described, fits perfectly within that context, right? I mean, um, and I think that horses yeah. are a good example as well, right? You know, we had horses all the way up until the late 30s and stuff like that. I mean, I think it was like the British were the last people to get rid of their you know, cavalry divisions right before World War II, or I, I'm sure half of it's Nazi mm -hmm. propaganda, who knows? Um, but, you know, uh, we had horses quite up until that point, and especially in rural areas and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, it was like, there were still horses. But of course, like you're, like exactly what you're saying, Hans, like I think that we're probably in 10 to 15 years, kind of like 1930s adoption of, of cars yes. as opposed to horses. So it's not everywhere 100%, but it is, we're, I think we will be really close in, what is it, 2032 uh, to, to 2035. Like, actually, it lines up pretty well, darn it. Mm. Um, where it's going to just be, you know, some people, of course, just still have a car because it was just sitting mm -hmm. in their garage. Although I would argue at some point, though, when will they be outlawed? I mean, you can't no, take true. your horse on the highway. Exactly. So I don't know. I think at some point we think, well, that'll never happen. I'll always be able to drive my car. But right. if you're more dangerous, why would you be allowed to? It, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's, I mean, yeah. the amount of damage that a car can do is mm, similar to a bazooka. Right. And right now, you know? there's no option. You, It's just humans that drive cars. But when the option changes, when Elon turns on FSD and we actually start to get the data and we go, oh, they're three times safer, five times safer, 100 times safer, we'll then begin, politicians and all of us will go, oh, I don't want to allow another human on the road. They kill people. I don't want another person to die. It's like yeah. if we had the cure to cancer and it was like, yeah, but, you know, it's expensive. You but know, you do have to be able to provide 100% of transportation for 100% of people before you can say, hey, you can't drive your car. Totally. And I mean, look, like yeah. there are still places where the horse is the way that you still get around. Yep. You know, I'm not yeah. going to say that it, I'm not going to sit here and say it's 100%. I do agree that yeah. there are going to be I'm just going to say that it's going to be the lower majority well, of the population. It's also going to be economically, if your city is not doing it, you're going to clamor for it. So like if your city is still on the fence and is not allowing it, but you're like, our neighboring cities are all doing it. So they have lower cost yes. of everything. You're going to just say, Hey, I'm moving or you better do it. Right. And I, and I think that it's going to, um, yeah, I, th I think that safety and stuff like that, but you're absolutely right that it's not going to be a hundred percent everywhere. It's just going to, mm -hmm. it's going to be a weird mix. And I think that it's really hard to imagine when I'm thinking of like this utopian, you know, thought of, you know, full self-driving cars everywhere. And then, you know, kind of the fringes of that, it's kind of like imagining, you know, like the, the outer fringes of some empire, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, it's Tatooine. Star Wars. It's the Tatooine <laughs> where like the empire is kind of, they're kind of in control, but like, you know, Boba, uh, uh, not Boba Fett, uh, you know, Jabba the Hutt could definitely, you know, take care of business if he needed to. You know, the Imperials can't really get to. So I, I think that there would be that to an extent. And then I think within 20 to 30 to 40 years, it would yeah. become completely. Yeah. Yeah. And also, also the cost involved with buying, owning, maintaining a car is going to be astronomically high, right? Is not a lot of companies yeah. are going to be building retail cars, if I may use that term. And then yeah. uh, you won't have a lot of, uh, let's say, garages or mechanics around. And you won't have as many fuel stations and therefore as much refining capacity geared towards 
automobile. So there's this entire ecosystem flywheel that essentially is going to work towards uh, that, hey, you know, it's way too expensive and therefore only reserved for certain niches or, you know, um, mm. of course, I mean, I'm 100% sure that uh, there will be people who will want, you know, a V12 manual, you know, rev it up, etc. But it's going to be a very, very, like, it's negligible. Right. Yeah, and there'll be there are people who race horses. Yeah, right. There are people who race horses right. and exactly. people who go to exactly, right. exactly. No, and I really like your point. As soon as as soon as the the infrastructure around cars starts to dwindle, as soon as it starts to go away, it's going to be a rolling snowball. And it, and, and again, it it takes slower the further away from the city centers you get. But yeah, it's going to eventually get to the point where you know parts are going to be harder to get and and everything that you're saying. It's exactly true. You know, oh, where am I going to get it serviced? Where am I going to get it fixed? It's more expensive now because uh, garages can charge more because they kind of have me over over a barrel. Um, and it's gonna it's going to push adoption, I think, towards uh, full autonomy. But let's let's bring it back towards the garages of today and back to what we were talking about so service what were we talking about Farzad? what was your question it was a good we're question about i don't a want a lot of different things um the question was in the in the long term it seems like tesla was this my question yeah it was i think uh we'll find out uh tesla seems to have the um uh say call it infrastructure the strategy long term to for service to become a differentiate like a, like a true strength in the future because they mm -hmm. control their entire uh supply chain they control the entire um end-to-end -end customer experience they have an, an app that allows you to have a relationship sometimes not in the best way honestly personally mm -hmm. i sometimes don't like that I can't talk to a person but we can say that for a different day mm -hmm. uh, but it does seem like over time uh, they have the right incentives in place because they control so much from a vertical standpoint and they own the cost structure for the service centers and all the supply chain that they have a forcing function and an incentive to lower the cost of repairs as, as much as humanly possible, which is the correct incentive versus everyone, say every other automaker, especially if they use a third party sort of a um, service uh, center model where they're not really incentivized to lower the cost of repair. They're actually kind of incentivized to sell parts to the service center. So I'm curious if you guys, uh, you know, it's just an open question. I'm wondering if y'all would agree with that statement that over time, I think Tesla would have a, a tremendous advantage from a repair and service perspective versus everybody else. But I don't know, it's just- They, they uh, certainly yeah. do. And one of the interesting things though, is that so few people know it. If you drive an ICE car today right. and, you, and a Tesla passes you, you have no idea what that Tesla experience is like um unless you you know watch our show or your friend talks to you about it incessantly at work um you don't know about the fact that they never go in for service practically but have you noticed that when you see a household down the street that gets a tesla very soon after that the ice car that was parked next to it also disappears and is replaced by another tesla because once you've experienced mm -hmm. tesla and ice car you're like oh i do definitely don't want to live in the past anymore mm -hmm. so yeah. that's the only thing i think that's holding back tesla at all is that this part of the experience, the charging experience, the uh, maintenance experience, the saving money on fuel is very hard to teach until you either have a close friend or family member or uh, you experience it yourself. And so it, I think it's the only thing that's slowing down adoption at all is just the fact that there's us in a bubble and then there's everyone else outside the bubble. And also, yeah. if you do have negative experiences with Tesla service and another thing is, too, they've raised expectations, I, I would say. I think that Elon has done a lot to kind of 
raise my expectations of service. He said that he wants to, you know, I, he wants to be an F1, you know, repair thing. And it's like, I, I think that that's great if you can deliver that. I just, what my imagination goes to is that like, I'm, there's a pit stop somewhere on the highway and I'm going to pull in and they're going to, you know, and like, I'm expecting it to be that. And it's like, I just don't think you need to set that high an expectation. And I don't think that you need to set that, uh, in, 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 you know, I think back in the day with the model S it was great to have, they had white glove service. It was freaking awesome. You'd pick up your car, it'd be detailed every single time, even if they were, you know, looking at something. You got a loaner that was equal to or better or than what better you had. Than, right. Cool. Mm -hmm. And I get that for, for model S and model X owners, white glove experience, you spent $150,000 on a car that I get it. Um, but now I think, you know, we might need to lower expectations because when I go in and I'm rewatching my episode about, you know, service or whatever, I'm whiny. Why am I so freaking whiny about this? Why am I like, well, it wasn't as good as it could be. And I think it could be perfect. It's like, why, why do I, ex why should I ex expect that? A, because the car is amazing and it, it feels like I'm a spaceship. So why am I not bringing it to some like, uh, Star Trek spaceport, not Star Wars spaceport, Star Trek spaceport where they're fixing it with lasers. You know what I mean? Like that's my expectation just because the car gives me it. Um, I feel like if it was a little bit less, I feel like, I feel like that's why I want people on the phone. Cause then you go like, Oh, okay. You know, they're going to take care of it, but they're human as opposed to it's like, well into the tesla app you know yeah yeah and that's mm -hmm. and that's like one of the like relative weaknesses of and i agree with you 100 the relative weaknesses tesla of tesla is that they're so good at so many things that when they're uh average or below average at some things they really stand out right <laughs> because like yeah. every time i have to get my tires changed i don't want to make tesla do it and i don't want to have to drive that far away so i call up this place yeah and when i tell you that the guy who answers the phone doesn't utter a sentence to me and he's, <laughs> I it I can't speak after he says that because I and I prepare I've prepared myself every single time I call because it's like right down the street. What you am I gonna record it? I swear to God, he doesn't say he's he's not, he's American. Like it's, I'm, not, you, I'm not I'm not making hear you fun on of the anybody. Other end here. of the conversation, and you're always perplexed. I'm just like <laughs> I want my tires changed. I have a car. Can you do tires? You know, I, you've done them for the and past the three years. And the place has tire in the title. Yeah. Oh, man. But he doesn't say that. <laughs> you know, so like that's what I'm dealing with on the other end of it. And it's like, I'm sure that lots of people have dealt with that. You know, I remember I got my, uh, oh, I had to take it to that place in Wisconsin when I worked out there. And they charged me $4,000 for a transmission. Not Tesla, obviously. It was right. Subaru. You know, and it was just like. <laughs> um, you know and he had it for two weeks you know and my and you didn't even get much of a warranty it was like here's a three minute warranty or something oh yeah, yeah. oh boy yeah. so it's like yeah the comparison isn't even close and yet i'm such a spoiled whiny brat about it <laughs> um because i just have such high expectations but i think i think long term that's 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 good for tesla because from my experience them being able at least from what i've seen like that's okay like that's mm -hmm. it's okay for it to have that expectation because we want I think we want them to be the best possible version that they can be across every spectrum and that's why I think we care so much yeah. and I don't think yeah. that's a bad thing right so I think yeah. I think it's ahead, in, the, in the robot taxi world every minute that the car is not on the road is a minute that Tesla is not making money 
Yeah. So. Did you hear Elon at the latest uh, shareholder meeting? He said that when cars self-drive, instead of being used for 12 hours a week, they'll be used for 40 to 50 hours a week. And w- was I the only one who thought, no, no, Elon, do your math again. There's 162 hours Way in more. a week. They're going to be used for like 140 hours a week. There'll be a few minutes in the middle of the night when, you know, maybe no one's booking them. But like in most cities, they're going to be used around the clock. Right. Do you think, do you uh, think the, there's a sandbag? Sorry, Ishan, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. So uh, I just wanted to sort of say, okay, 140, but uh, there's also going to be like peak demand and uh, low demand times, right? So uh, like, yeah, they might be available 140 hours a week, but probably not driving 140. But yeah, definitely not 40 hours a week. Right. I just thought he was way off. Um, yeah. It was funny. Yeah. yeah. So Maybe, was he sandbagging? <laughs> I, I don't I, know. He also, he also said about that, you know, period of time when uh, the value of FSD for anybody who has it right now is just going to be so much more, right? Uh, right. I think you guys mentioned it in TDN. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess what he essentially meant was that there is going to be a, uh, uh, you know, period of time when there aren't enough robotaxis. Right. right. So the demand is going to be like super high of the charts. And then, yes, they're going to flood the market, but that's going to happen linearly, exponentially, whatever it is. But uh, that initial two, three, five year period, you know, because uh, FSD is FSD. If it goes live, it goes live everywhere. Right. So there's right. no ramp. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, it's that period of time when probably that 140 number that you said, might just get hit, but I think it's going to uh, be a ramp down from there. Yeah, but yeah. I do think I do think the the first say uh, five to ten years that RoboTaxi is launched until it's like fully permeated everywhere. I do fully expect them to run close to one hundred percent capacity yeah. because the cost difference between that technology versus every other vehicle out there plus the percentage mm-hmm. of robotaxis on the road versus everything else will be so much lower mm-hmm. that every single robotaxi out there is going to be running at full capacity like plus, over time yeah plus think of human behavior you cannot now hop in a car and overnight yourself to las vegas like you have to drive it or hire a guy to drive you but if i could overnight myself to las vegas watch a movie fall asleep i might just completely change my behavior and start doing that more often and i think humans are going to start changing their behaviors on a whole lot of things when when that becomes a reality. And I just don't think any of us are imagining what that looks like, but I think we're going to start doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, or work. Right. Exactly. exactly. We yeah. can work in different hours. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, there's a long road trip I need to take. I don't have to, you know, take off one day. That's huge. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I can be working on yeah. my way there. Yeah. yeah. That's an excellent point. No. And, and like you were saying, even if we don't even consider all of this behavioral change, if it's just like Uber, except it costs half as much, mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. one are you going to choose? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to take the one that's uh, that costs less. Yeah. And talk about labor. I mean, this is actually labor he's giving us here. So he's mm. changing the economy in the sense that he's just freed up all these resources, all this discretionary income that we're now going to have. I don't have to buy a car anymore. And my cost of transportation <clears throat> just nosedives. So now I have, free, I have this extra money. Uh, that's a huge change that anyone who takes advantage mm-hmm. of it is going to have. Right. A hundred percent. The cost equation is going to be completely bananas for most people. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
we're uh, we're five minutes from an hour. I do want to make sure Kuba uh, uh, gets his uh, uh, answer in here. This conversation is going so freaking fast. I literally <laughs> yeah. looked at the clock. I'm like, damn. I want to be res- respectful everyone's time. Uh, Kuba, go ahead and uh, throw your uh, question out there because I, I uh, I'm curious to hear what it is. But definitely unmute first yeah, before. Yeah, go. <laughs> Good point. So uh, a bit of a change of topic because uh, I got some more personal question for you guys. I was impressed after I learned that you're a father and son duo. It took me a while after following you. Uh, it's impressive that you have this great relationship and you're working together for all those years, seemingly without glitches. What great relationship. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how you manage that. So maybe, Zach, you could tell tell us how you raised Jesse and Jesse, you can tell us how, how it felt. And I put him in a little why, box and I just kept saying, Tesla, Tesla, until he agreed with me. Um, um, and then I'd give him treats. And <laughs> Well, let's see. Um, we've always been working together. I think it goes back to maybe that we've also worked uh, on physical projects together a lot. Yeah. Like we work, so I'm, I'm a business, con, a, a building contractor. And so we've always had projects say like we roofed the house together. And I think we built the, and built the house together, the, the more than half edition of the house. And yes. we enjoy working with our hands. And I think there's something um, that's been missing in, in the past couple of generations uh, around the world, which is, I think they're used, this used to be very common. You'd work with your kids because you probably needed to fix your house or fix your farm and fix the tractor. So you'd constantly be doing that. And that builds up trust. When I can trust Jesse with a hammer, uh, that just builds this amazing trust between us. And he can trust and when you trust me with a nail gun. Right. Um, that's a, that's another level of trust. <laughs> and I think today, if you look at most kids, I've worked with kids like in the schools and in farmers markets and stuff. And I'll be like, oh, they're like Jesse. So go set up that tent. And then I come back half an hour later and they're like, how do you get the tent out of the bag? And it's and I'm, ripped in half. And I'm like, you guys are really <laughs> smart kids. How come you can't put up a tent? Right. Well, we don't do this regularly. Right. They didn't get the physical and I, I think that that's, we've almost uh, downplayed the importance of physicality in learning. Uh, I think that until you actually know how tools work and how the physical world works, it's hard to solve problems and to be a good engineer or good whatever. Um, and I'm really disappointed in our school systems for not incorporating more of that into them. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it, a lot of it has to do with just that, that we did a lot of physical things together. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I trust, I trust you because basically... I've seen you do a lot of things that mm, I've met lots of people and they don't know how to do. So whether it's, you know, build our house, which that I lived in. So I'm like, oh, yeah, well, this guy kind of knows what the fuck he's talking about because like I live in the house that he built with his hands. Um, so I'm like, yeah, it, it kind of it tracks that I'm going to, you know, under, I'm going to listen to him uh, most of the time. And so uh, I think that that's kind of the basis of our trust. That's a good point. And then the other thing is when we first started this channel, we both hopped in the Tesla at the same time and had the exact same experience, exact same experience. We, Whoa. we basically started just driving and we drove mm-hmm. throughout our state and we drove to a place that we'd never driven before and uh, like Provincetown. Mm-hmm. And we we're like, that was fun. Let's do more. Is there more places we can drive? Oh, there is. We can stop at superchargers. Oh, can we keep going? How about if we go to the other side of the country together? Right. Oh, that worked. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I forget what the name of the website was back then, but there was like this very rudimentary EV trip planner. And it was basically just like, I think it was evtripplanner.com or something. <laughs> right. And it like, worked enough to get us across the the states or whatever and it was like wow that that worked um and i think that that to me we had definitely done something that not a lot of people had done at least in a model x at the time and it was just like okay so 
yeah, we did it. So I can trust that that works. And that really gave me a lot of confidence in what we were talking about. And so when we faced a lot of people who were like, Brad, you can't do that. And it was like, well, I fucking did it. Jerk. <laughs> you know, it was like that, I think, really cements what we're talking about now, where because, you know, Zach and I have done Tesla Time News for 308 weeks in a row, you know, We've just been talking about Tesla, 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 Tesla. Um, so you see, we're also crazy. That's probably answers your question. A little bit crazy, but also I just, I'm like, um, you know, like when uh, the super uh, the superhero gets their powers, like I think they did a really good job in like the first Spider-Man, you know, the one with the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man or whatever. And he's like, he like, he has spidey senses or whatever. I'm kind of like that now where it's like, I know Tesla backwards and forwards. So now I, when I'm thinking and talking about it, we can talk about Tesla in such a high level way. Whereas like I try and talk to like, um, I showed the Rivian to my friend's uncle. And he liked it, but he thought that they should have a fire suppression system on board. <laughs> and, and so I said, so you want them to have, you want the car to carry water? He's like, yeah. I'm like, so you want like 50 gallons of water just in case, just in case lights on fire. And it's like, I'm not going to have that conversation with Zach or we would laugh about it like we're doing now. Cause then you're all laughing about it. Cause you know that that's the least efficient that like, right. do we have cars that have that now? And yet most cars, no, they, and they catch on fire at a higher rate. We all know this. Right. And so that's funny, but he's literally, this guy is looking me straight in the eye and saying, yeah. And I'm going like, so you're afraid of the bolt. The bolt has scared you from EVs. And I'm, and so that way when I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. the bolt kind of sucks. And then I also have to be like, okay, but, sh you know, put it into a different frame of mind. I'm glad that people can buy the Bolt. It's a cheap and pretty decent uh, EV. I'm super, if you drive a Bolt, you fucking rock, right? Hard to have those different things, but we both, you know, because we've been doing it for so long. I think I think it's, it's just uh, Stockholm Syndrome, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> we've solved Mutual. We've solved it. We've yeah. solved it. Um, and so uh, I know we're at time, but just one last quick question, if, if you guys don't mind. I just sure. uh, I'm really curious to hear. So because I think this this last question that Kuba asked is so can be so transformational to so many people. You know, I think I think there's uh, a lot of, uh, oh, man, a lot of families out there that would benefit from like the kind of relationship uh, you both have. Uh, it's super great to see. And I, and I really do th like I don't have kids, but when I grow up, I want to have the kind of relation when I grow up, when I have kids and I grow up, actually, it goes hand in hand. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> correct statement, I guess. That's the kind of relationship I want to have with my kid, you know. So, so uh, maybe Zach, what's the best advice you can give me? And then uh, maybe Jesse, from your perspective, what's some advice you can give me as well? It's going to sound like old-fashioned advice, I think, but it's uh, read to your kids. Spend a lot of time reading to your kids. Um, now, maybe in the future, you'll just Neuralink mm -hmm. to your kids, but that it's it's time you're spending with them. It's time you're spending with imagination. It's time you're spending where they're stopping you and going, hey, wait a minute, what just happened? Why did it happen? Why'd that guy do that? Where you're having discussions. And then at the end of that book, you have that shared experience that only you two have. And that's kind of special. Um, and then you know that the reading that you did somehow enhanced the imagination of your child. Imagination, I think, is one of the most important things that we as humans have. And so to me, it's, it's one of the only ways we can instill imagination in a kid. If, if, I, if I give him a movie to watch, uh, I've said this before, you know, if I read you Harry Potter, 
your imagination of, you know, what Harry looks like or Dumbledore looks mm -hmm. like is all you. That's your world. And it's okay if you mispronounce Hermione's name. And Which I did for the first three Hermione. books. So I pictured <laughs> Hermione. Was it Hermione? No, it was Hermione. Hermione Granger. <laughs> I pictured her as a as a nun in my head. That was just the way that I pictured Hermione Granger. Yeah. Um, and then I saw come the, like, to find the first movie came out, and I'm like, oh, it's Hermione. Like, Whoa, who's this? Who's well, this? I screwed up. But but, it, but I mean, it, you didn't because I had a different perspective of it. Right. Um, I remember we used to play, what was that game? Stronghold, mm -hmm. you know? So I think like intelligent, like, cause there are different types of video games and you always played the really, we played SimCity, mm -hmm. played uh, Stronghold. So I remember I knew what apothecary was when it was a vocab word. <laughs> And they were like, it's apothecary. You're going to have to write that in a sentence. I'm like, <laughs> the night road up to the apothecary. I was like, I was ready for that one. Um, and, and that felt really good. I remember it. Like that one stands out to me. And it was like, oh, I, I played a, a game which I wouldn't have been able to do, you know, because you had to like balance an economy in a game. And it was like, well, I couldn't have done that. But I learned, you know, where to put the towers and, you know, like all of that. I think all of that of being able to do something that a kid normally can't do, hmm. um, but under the supervision of an adult who's going to give them pretty much way, to, uh, you know, it's it's too much for a kid, but you can kind of do it. I would say that that, that is what kind of gave me a lot of confidence and a lot of skills, a lot of skills to hmm. where I just feel comfortable doing things that are more difficult you know i'm like i'm over at my friend's houses like fixing their toilets and stuff because i'm just like i can do it and and they're like hey can you help me like build something i'm like yes i can help you do it and i i feel like it, it's it's that kind of confidence that helps with this channel and and stuff that we do and also our relationship yeah because every time i'm you know have my hands down in the in the toilet thing it's okay it's clean see and he taught me that it's clean don't worry about it and i'm screwing in you know, the, the flush thing it's just water that's coming straight in there's no poop in it um you know i'm thinking like oh i'm so glad my dad taught me how to do this you know and i think that that builds trust over a long period of time yeah that's awesome thank you so much for that candid answer i think and that's one of the coolest things about your channel is that it's clear that you guys have a lot of uh respect and love for each other and it, and it really shows through and it's just a really cool dynamic to see especially in the tesla community you know i think mm -hmm. i think it's just you know we're all in this little bubble but what i always fa find fascinating is sort of the humanity aspect of a lot of these channels and i think yours has is, has a, a really cool unique one and i just uh, really want to thank you for everything you guys do honestly and thank you so much for making the time to come on the channel thank you ishan hans and kuba for making the time as well but uh, i don't know if you guys have any parting words but uh but yeah thank you so much for for coming on really appreciate you guys no and thank you so great having you on our show and uh that was really well received and i i just love this community i mean mm, yeah. again i i feel so honored that i'm part of it like that we are in i don't know a cult or bubble or stockholm syndrome whatever you want to call it but like whatever it is it's great i'm glad them. i'm a part of it exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. thank you guys thank you thank you all right everybody thank you all everybody for joining us in the comments and watching this uh like i said thank you again welcome back anytime obviously and uh yeah we'll see everybody soon Take it easy, everybody. Thanks, guys. And broadcast. Here we go.